Baseball is back. The first week of action in Major League Baseball. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. But before we talk about that, there's a lot of really cool things that happened. Uh, we obviously have to talk about the elephant in the room that it happened in Oakland, California. Our guy, Chris Madrigal, took a foul ball off the chest on opening night, baby. Look at that. This is it right here. This is it right here. Was that your Stu Gatz impression? Chris? It is. So, that. Major League Baseball official, for those watching on YouTube, you can see it. You can see that douchebag um, Rob Manfred's signature, and you can see the smudge where, where uh, Mitch Moreland hit it as well. Happy Gilmore um, style. Yeah, I did, definitely didn't chest. catch it. You're definitely famous, man. Just You're on it, ESPN. straight off the chest. Uh, tell us how yeah, was it? So I thought how was the rush? I thought I was only I thought I was only on NBC, and then uh, and then Jesse, my uh, buddy Jesse, hit me up. He was watching on ESPN. He's like, "Dude, you know you're on national TV, just taking a ball off the chest." And I was like, "Oh shit!" And I just put like shaking my head. But so, do you want to hear the play by play why it went off of my chest as opposed to um, in my hands? Yes. So one, it's incredibly hard to catch a fly ball with your bare hands. So that's the first off, especially with exit velocities that are up to like 100 miles per hour these days. But um, so like when when a typical fly ball, you know, goes in the air and goes in the area of your like section, you know, um, you don't really know where it's going. Like halfway through the flight, you're kind of like, okay, it's coming near my section, but it could go to the section on the right, could go to the section on the left. You never really know. Um, so this one looked, it was going pretty straight. It looked like it was going to the section on my right. I was sitting in like 205, 206, I think was to my right. It looked like it was going to go that way. It had some distance on it. But then out of nowhere, like three quarters through its flight, it had like this curve on it. And it just fucking whipped right into my section and like right at me. And I'm just like, oh, shit. So like legitimately all this entire process went through my mind. So I saw that it was kind of going like around, you know, at my chest, like around here. So there's two ways that I could have caught it. I could have either done it like a football catch and with my hands, but if I drop it, it's going to bounce off my hands because I'm in row one. It's going to bounce off my hands. It's going to fall down um, to um, the first deck to the section below me. So then I'm, I'm lost. I don't get the ball at all. So the way I see it was like, maybe I can trap it off my chest. Like, not know, realizing that it's going to come in like fucking, you know, guns a blazing. So, I do that. It hits my chest. I trap it. And it barely kind of, like, gets my finger and flips out. So, like, I didn't have, like, full control over it. And it just drops right down below me at my feet. I'm just like, oh, shit. And I grab it. And I just pick it up. And then I I, uh, I waved it in front of the section. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, my chest. And I did, like, the whole, like, ah. And then some dude who was sitting like six rows behind me, just goes, no, nah, man, just fucking, ah. So I just start, I turn around, and I think the camera cut away at, by this point, but I turn around, I just go, sorry, I'm going, ah, like, like, like uh, King Kong, just beating my chest. It was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, that's the story. Were you sore? Um, so I thought, so I thought I would be. I didn't feel the impact, so it didn't hurt because my adrenaline was pumping. The next day, I was sore in my chest, but I couldn't tell if that was from, because I'd worked out the morning before I went to the game. I couldn't tell if that was working out soreness or if it was off that. Because it was like all of my chest was, was sore. And but, yeah. how many... Because, dude, I have like five different people texting me being like, was that magical? <laughs> so how many people were texting had, you? Everybody was texting me and sliding into my DMs like, oh my god, dude, that was you, blah, blah, blah. Some, some random 
um, some friend of Larry's, my brother Larry, who doesn't know me, has never met me at all, uh, texted him. He's like, hey, I'm watching the game on ESPN, and I just saw Madrigal um, on the back of a jersey. Are you related to that guy? And he's like, yeah, that's my brother. Like, it was that's just cool. like the most random shit ever. Yeah, in case you couldn't tell if that was Chris, on the back of his shirt, jersey, is his last name. So, yeah. also, you forgot about the, the the dumbest part of it all. Somebody tried to buy the ball off you. Yeah, so about three innings later, some random creepy old guy came up to me and goes, you the one who caught that fly ball? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I'll give you $60 for it right now. I go, dude, it's not for sale. And then he just goes, oh, all right. And he walks away. That was really weird. I don't know why. I don't know $60? what motivation in life would make you want to have that. I don't, maybe he's collecting. I don't know. I don't know if he thinks I he collect it all of Mitch Moreland's balls that he's hit that's gone into the crowd. Yeah. I have every intention on framing it and putting a picture of me raising the ball. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, in a frame. So anyway, um, but then the A's lost and they haven't won since. That sucked. Um, and that was a total bummer, but we'll get into that later. So today's episode, uh, we'll start with the big three with some news around the league. Um, a bench clearing brawl in Cincy. Um, we had dueling no hitters on opening. Uh, was that opening night? No, it was opening yeah, weekend. It was Saturday though. night. Saturday opening weekend. Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get into the whole six, the mess with the A's that are zero and six. Um, on all, f- we'll literally cover it all. We'll talk about all all the reasons why we think they're zero and six, and then uh, we'll give out. Uh, we'll talk about the upcoming schedule. We'll give out the player of the week, and obviously we'll end with the essential tool of the week, like we always do. But first, Julio, big announcement. Um, Major League Baseball ponied up for once. Obviously, probably after a lot of criticism um, from. Um, the online and probably liberal community about the situation that is going on in Atlanta, how they have put, I think it's like 16 laws in place that restrict people from voting and make it a lot tougher um, to, um, to vote in future elections because they're butt hurt that they, um, that the Republicans lost. Uh, We won't get too into that anyway. So the game has been moved to Denver. Um, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, So, you know, we R- Robbie Schlatter shared that tweet with us this morning that Rachel Luba tweeted um, something. We you know, shouldn't reward a, a bad team or a team that's uh, intentionally not willing to participate or not willing mm-hmm. to put a competitive team, which uh, it's a pretty stupid statement, in my opinion. Um, and I, but, I, 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 it so. I get where she's going with that, but um, um, I don't. I mean, I couldn't disagree more. Anyway, um, I get where she's going with that, but my first thought is: so why are you going to punish your fans because your owner is a moron? So, like, so the Rockies fans are going to have nothing to cheer for this year. It's already been a rough like COVID year as it is. The least like this is going to be great for them. It's going to like enthusiasm. them. It's going to really bring the city back in July. Um, it, it's going to give them something to like be excited about this year because they're yeah. clearly not going to be very good. I don't see like that was a really like um, aggressive statement for really no reason. I I I know that the her and Bauer's whole mo the past like six months is like you know anti-establishment. Let's like shit on them as much as possible. But like that was like a really that was just really weird. I don't. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't get it. Um, honestly, like, I know, like, Gavin Newsom who was like, oh, California is always open. I'm like, that wasn't going to happen. Like, the reality was, like, we don't know what California's 
going to look like in those months. And plus, you know, the Dodgers are going to be hosting it next year. And well, well half of California is vaccinated right now. That's a good sign. <laughs> but um, besides that, I, there's a lot more to it. It's like, cool. Who cares if your team sucks? It really matters that like, okay, is can your city handle it? Uh, did your city show a history of handling it? What's the weather like? Um, and I've never been to Colorado, but I'd imagine Denver during the summer is probably going to be some pretty dope weather. And plus, dingers. Dingers for days. Yeah, that's going to be a fun home run yeah. derby. I remember, I think it was 98, 97, maybe it was 96, 97, 96. Home run derby with, uh, I think it was Mark McGuire, Larry Walker, um, all these guys. It was like one of the best like home run derbies like of all time to watch. And they are just fucking knocking them out the park. Like the, the row of seats that are exactly a mile high. I think they're like orange seats up there. Like it was like a competition of who can hit it the most and stuff like that. So that's going to be fun. I'm excited for so that. So the biggest thing why this is happening was Chris already talked about um, Georgia has doing a lot of a lot of major movements in this last month too really hone in on voter suppression. We're not going to get really too in depth with that. Uh, if you want to do your own research and kind of read about it, go for it. Um, but this was something that as much shit as you literally opened up talking shit about him, um, as much shit when I give Rob Manfred, it sounds like he was actually listening to the players. Um, he actually released a statement saying over the last week, we've engaged in thoughtful conversation with clubs, former and current players, the players association, and the Players Alliance, among others, to listen to their views. I've decided it's best to relocate. Um, now, as far as we know, that's a blanket statement. As far as we know, um, there's been a huge amount of um, of advertisers pulling out. We know about like a lot of Hollywood, Coca-Cola. a lot of Hollywood st- productions are moving out of Atlanta for the time being. Um, I know. Like Coca-Cola, who's, you know, that is Atlanta. Uh, yeah, like a bunch of conservatives on social media are, like, boycotting we're Coca-Cola. We're canceling Coke. Like, yeah, cool, okay, have, bro. We'll, we'll see. Well, Pepsi also put out a statement supporting Black Lives Matter, so enjoy drinking yeah. Shasta Cola. Uh, but the biggest thing, and I think um, it's really uh, – it wouldn't be here without him, is uh, Tony Clark. You all might remember him. He's a former first baseman. The Padres for a good chunk of time. Um, he is also the head of the players, direct executive director of the players union. And he also yeah. happens to be a black man. So I think he probably had a really big push in this. So like, awesome. I'm so like, it's glad that they're kind of listening to the players. We'll see what this is going to lead to in the future. Um, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, congrats Denver. I think that's going to be really awesome. Uh, I've heard nothing but awesome things about Denver. I don't know if you've been there before. I have. I'm trying to go to this. I know I texted you earlier about it, but I'm trying to go to this shit. So you might see me there. Um, Catching another I just, foul ball. Can, can I just say? Can I just say one more thing, and then I'll move on. So like the the right after that all happened, and like the whole like um, social media movement to try and get the All Star game moved, the Braves like released a statement that was kind of like, oh, it's an open conversation that we're having. We want to be like part of like the change, blah blah, blah for. You know Georgia and all this this shit, and it's like, okay, I like I heard I heard the uh, the I heard the baseball barbecue podcast today, and those guys were talking about it, and like their reaction was like word for word exactly how I felt when I read that statement. Just like, huh, okay, bro, whatever, 
you you have some power in that state. You could have done something. And you're the team, you're the team that represented Hank Aaron in the year that he passed away with all that he had to deal with in, in your organ living in your your state and in the organization with with the you know the racist hatred. You're just gonna like be like, eh, whatever. Like if you really cared, you would have you would have backed out of having the All Star game. You would have said like, hey, no, we're not gonna have it because we don't support the way the state. Blah 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 blah. It's just. I don't know. It's just it's just bullshit. You know what? Um, Hank I don't, Aaron I don't be, know their names. Would be pretty but disappointed. Owners of the Atlanta Braves, if you would like to host the All Star Game, you can. You just gotta beat the freeze. Yeah, I I know it's not the Turner family because if it was, no, it's not Ted we Turner. Oh no, Ted Turner would have. Ted Turner is a pretty famous liber, liberal Democrat. I can't uh, you I'm believe sure you just he... glossed over the freeze, man. The freeze? Beat the freeze? You don't remember that? The no. dude, it was like a mid-inning promotion that the the Braves did when they started moving that Coliseum, whereas that dude in like the antifreeze like suit and fans would get like a 50-foot head start and he would just like out-sprint them? Come on. No, anyway, so God damn can we it, move Chris, past this uh, this random sidebar of nostalgia that probably no one else understands either? Dude, and it was like a um, couple years ago. It was like a huge thing when they started. God, you're the one out of touch with it. Literally, what, does it have to do, what does it have to do with what I'm saying? Because it was in Atlanta. It, it was at there when they, they got the new stadium. He was doing it there. And I was trying to make a joke because nobody was ever able to beat the freeze in a race. I can't believe you don't remember that. Okay. Anyway, so Liberty Media owns the Braves now. Um, they're a massive. That sounds pretty. Uh... <laughs> they own they own stakes in Formula One, and they own Sirius XM Radio. I mean, that's cool, I guess. Um, and they own Stars and Encore, the Netflix. channels that um, nobody has. <laughs> yeah. Stars, Encore, and Sirius. Except for people who watch. Um, Power. What's the power yeah i was gonna say the empire the empire remake um uh yeah uh, yeah ted turner would have not been okay with that i know that for a fact um but yeah anyway we can move on it, it was just it was disappointing but colorado should be cool um colorado's i mean i really like coors field um i really like the city of colorado um our buddy manny was saying in uh, one of our group chats today like god damn it the year that i move, I move out of colorado to boston they do the all-star game there it's pretty great um, all right, so next up, bench is clear, Julio, in a game against the Reds and the Cardinals. Um, how do we how do we describe the situation? Uh, it was. I mean, go ahead, go ahead. So, Nick Castellanos, who's off to an awesome start, by the way. We just got to point yeah. that out there. He's been kicking ass for the Reds. Um, Reds are also off to a pretty great start as well. So, suck it, Ronnie. Um, but if you don't remember, I said that was my, 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 uh, you did, you did say that. Yeah. Or my dark horse, but that was your guy. That was your team. Yeah. Uh, there was a, I believe a pass ball. There's air, air somewhere in the field. Castellanos was running home and he slid. And during the slide, like him, more or less him and Yadier Molina collided. He was safe. He got up. He just did like a very emphatic, like, let's go boys. Whatever. Typical, you know, Shit dudes say when they're safe on a big play. And the team did not like it. The Cardinals did not like it. He stepped over Yadier Molina, which... Uh, okay, that's probably why. 
but it, it, it kinda, turned into he a bench. He kind of looked right at him too. He he stared him down too while he was doing it. Yeah, so yeah. I guess. Yeah. And if anybody's gonna have a problem, it's Yadier, and that's one person you probably mm-hmm. don't want to mess with in baseball. But that led to benches clearing, you know, typical tough guy baseball shit. Kind of a lot of stares, a lot of like grabbing, but nothing's ever happened. Uh, but the end result is Nick Castellanos got suspended two games, and it's just it's so stupid. What was the motto of baseball the last couple of years? Like let the kids play. Cool, mm-hmm. you let the kids play with enthusiasm, and you suspend them. Nobody, no punches were thrown. Um, you know, nobody was hurt. Nothing happened. It was just a big play. He was excited, and he got suspended for it. I get why. Um why like Yadier might be a little like confused and upset because he does like I wouldn't say he like stands like over him he doesn't like go out of his way to like, stand there he just kind of like gets up and Yadier happened to be on the ground because he was knocked over while trying to catch the ball at home um and he like kind of like just let's go like you know like like Hulk style like chest like you know flexing and stuff like that and he does kind of stare him down when he's doing it but he's not saying like fuck you or anything like that he's not like yelling at Yadier he's just kind of like pumped up um and the bench is clear and i i mean isn't this kind of what yeah like you said like isn't this kind of what we're trying to get out of baseball we're trying to make it more fun and more exciting this happens in basketball or in football there's it's no big deal it's just like you're trying to hype up the team but it happens in that it's just kind of happens in this sport and it's like a you know it's not gentleman like it's just kind of i mean when are we going to get over this i thought we were over this last year with the tatis like like um um fucking uh uh, unspoken rules and shit like that. So I don't know. I I mean, and the the thing I, is too, um, it's, he, he came out afterwards and it's nothing but respect. Like, I don't think there's anybody yeah. in the league that does not have respect for Yadi Molina is arguably the best catcher of our generation. He's going to be a top five catcher probably ever when he retires. And he even said, uh, Nick Castellano said post game, like, Yo, I'd still ask him for an autograph if he punched me in the face because yeah. it's like the, yeah. it's just greatness. So it's kind of it's bullshit. It's I think there's a lot of I think it's kind of it reminds me a little bit of like the NBA where this last year where there's been so many ticky tacky fouls that have been called way more than often. Um, that really it's just like you just gotta let them play, kind of let them kind of grind these things out, and, and because of that, it's slowing down the pay, the place the pace of the game. Yeah, and a lot of people are just getting super toxic about it on on social media with base with basketball. So it's like if you're gonna keep suspending dudes for this, I'm like, yo, there's bigger battles you got to put it out there. If anything, maybe a little fine. Don't suspend them two games, especially for Nick Castellanos. Like I already mentioned, he's having a great start. He's probably one of the more exciting hitters in baseball right now because like, dude, when he hits it, he he hits and he really pimps the shit out of it. Like it's fun. That's what you want. So. It's stupid a fine that you're for playing the game with for, some excitement. Like a fine for playing the game with some excitement, though. Like I don't, I don't. I, that doesn't make sense to me. Like I, it's not like he's attacking him. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think this is something the teams themselves can handle because I would say don't suspend him the following yeah. days. Whoever's on the Cardinals, don't hit him. Throw it by him. Like that's how you do. It. That's what you do. That's what you fucking do in baseball, man. I don't get it. All right. Um, you want to move to the last thing? Yeah, yeah, because there's a look. There was a lot of really cool shit that happened in this last week in baseball, and it was. I think yeah. we had a hard time kind of narrowing down. We got um, 
It was uh, between like this and the uh, in the Otani uh, um, Sunday night baseball game. Yep, I, I, uh, your opinion. mom, Merced. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. How many? Okay. How many times have you watched that Otani home run? Because I've watched it like five, ten times. I like Just, like four times. The sound of it is like yeah. I forgot where I saw the Twitter quote. They're like, Otani's home run sounded like he just like ripped two beers in a softball league. <laughs> like that sound was, yeah. ugh. Yeah. Ramon Mercedes started eight for eight. He's like the first person to do it since Roy Campanella back in the 1940s. Um, but I think this is a really great choice to kind of highlight yeah. the start of the week. A dueling no-nos going into the sixth inning, Chris. That that's the crazy thing about this is because because baseball is all about like dingers and like flashiness that this is kind of like gone under the radar. But this is fucking remarkable. Dueling no hitters through six innings between two starting pitchers, like this is this is insane. Who were the pitchers by the way? It was Jose Barrios for Minnesota. It was the uh, Twins and Brewers. Jose Barrios, who's um, he had a pretty disappointing year last season compared to his 2019 season. His ERA went up, strikeout rates went down, Um, and Corbin Burns who. I'm a huge fan Corey of. I Burns, talked him right. a lot. I talked him up a lot in this last preview episode for the NL Central. Um, they are the uh, first combined no-nos <laughs> to go into the sixth inning since 2014 with uh, Jake Peavy and Jacob Degrom, and a couple mm-hmm. other numbers through those six innings. They had 23 combined strikeouts, uh, zero ho- zero walks, zero hits, and two hit batters. That's just fucking. Like for people like us who like baseball, like that would have been like the game of the fucking month, like a yeah. year, just like watching it, like in, in anticipation, like oh my god. Just unfortunately, um, it was going. It was happening the same time as the the final uh, UCLA game was going on. Yeah. Was it UCLA? Yeah, which yeah, is, UCLA game was happening. Yeah, which is like the best, the second or third best college basketball game ever. Played. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Was, that game was that game was wild. Yeah, um, but yeah, that happened. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. There's not really much to talk about. It's just like it was yeah. really cool seeing that. Um, uh, it was the first time. Maybe we just follow a ton of baseball people on Twitter, but like social media was like truly buzzing about it. They're like, "Oh my god, is yeah. anybody watching this? Like, look what's happening! Look what's happening!" Um, and there was a couple. And Trevor Bauer is also throwing like six no hit innings against the Rockies. Um, but it's just cool. Do you, now? Do you think we're gonna see a pitcher's year? Uh, it's been confirmed. The ball has been changed. It's not the juice yeah. ball anymore. Do you think this might be a more common thing? Or do you think these are two guys who are just on it to start? Um, this is actually a great segue to our next, um, our, our first topic for the A's news. So I think I'm going to say it this way. Um, if you were to watch um, the A's this past um Six games, you would think like, oh, yeah, because they're not hitting the ball so well. And they're not hitting out of the park. They have a lot of um, fly balls that just don't get enough on it. They only have two home runs. But then you look at the teams that we played, like the Astros and the Dodgers, and they're just fucking racking them up on us. So I don't know what to think. The Twins and Brewers both have good offenses, too. But mm-hmm. yeah, we, well, I think we it's time to transition, man. We open this can. Yeah, I think that's it. That's it. I'm I'm just so fucking annoyed by this. I just want to like get it over with and talk about it. This is I I'm not gonna lie. I've been looking forward to this all day, just to fucking vent. This feels worse so, than the post Marcus Liam day, like episode. Yeah, because this is a result. It feel well. We don't know exactly, but this feels like a direct result of that. I I mean I. 
I texted you today, like, thank God for once they, you know, Bob Melvin decided to put the, our two hottest hitters back-to-back in the lineup. That's Jed Lowry and Ramon Laureano, which he wasn't doing these past five games. And so, like, pretty much those two and, like, kind of Mark Hanna have been getting hits, like, you know, every once in a while around here. But then everybody around them doesn't fucking hit the ball or bring them home. Or they get a walk with the leadoff. They get a double with their second, and then they just have three, just go three and out after that. It drives me fucking crazy. So if if you've been living under a rock and you use this podcast to keep up in your A's news, um, let's be realistic. No one has been doing that. So you guys already know what's going on. They're 0-6 right now. It's the worst start since 1916. (laughs) This is a fun quote that, that, or a fun uh, uh, tidbit that Julio added, which is from... uh, uh, Dieter Kurtenbach, did I say that right, Julio? I think so, but he works for the San Jose Mercury. He said he tweeted. <laughs> so the A's are own six for the first time since nineteen um, sixteen. Two pandemics have happened during that time, which is true. Um, they've been outscored fifty runs to thirteen. That's right, fifty five zero to thirteen one three. Um, their pitching is an ERA of eight. And their total, their team batting average is 169. As much as I love the number 69, I don't love it in terms of when a one is next to that number or in front of that number and in terms of baseball. Uh, Those are both the worst in Major League Baseball. Um, uh, I. (laughs) They're actually, uh, the hitting one has actually changed. Uh, It's the Brewers have the worst. The Brewers. Oh, they won 168. Okay, it's the worst in the American League. Fix. Okay. Doesn't make me feel better. I, I, I'm i trying to find an exact... that We're going to talk a lot more about this a little bit later because I think this is really going to be a, um, a major talking point. I think it's the same issue in terms of hitting that's been happening for the last three years. And they still do not know how to hit in pressure situations. It's been three, four years. I don't, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but like, like so you what can, gives? You can, like, you, can, uh, you, can, you can point it at one thing, which is we've had, in, we're like having injuries fucking week of hell. Um, so both Loriano and Piscotti are banged up. That's the reason, if you've been watching the games, Piscotti has been playing right field because there's something going on with his shoulder. He can't throw the ball as – doesn't feel as good throwing the ball. So he's been pinch hitting every once in a while. Loriano, he played the first series, and then he's kind of taken um, a couple games off. He's clearly not 100%. The only healthy um, starting outfielder we have is Mark Hanna. Um, so you have to play Tony Kemp out there, who is a kind of a defensive liability. He doesn't really have much of an arm. He covers a decent amount of ground, but he doesn't really have much of an arm on him. Um, and then we've had Kai Tom out there, which he's been fine defensively. He hasn't really run into many issues. Um, he can't really get the back going, but that, you know, it is what it is. Um, and after that, we're kind of out of defensive options because Chad Pinder is on the 10-day DL. Something happened to him. You know, he's been jumping and, and diving all over the field the first two games of the season, so that's probably has something to do with it. Um, he's made some amazing plays, but I would assume that he's got some issues going on. Um, Sky Bolt <laughs> was claimed from the um, from the Giants, so he's over playing in San Francisco. Um 
they just pulled up Seth Brown today. I assume we're going to see him in the coming days. Thank yeah, God. Um, tonight's um, post game, Bowmel at Tuesday, April sixth. Uh, Bowmel said he's probably going to be starting tomorrow. Just yeah. perfect. And you know, we talked about him last episode. He's had his like you know classic two weeks of fame with the A's, where he had two amazing weeks and um, fell off bat wise, but he was a solid defender. Um, Matt Olson is banged up. He did not play today. Mitch Moreland started for him, which Mitch Moreland did great defensively, so I'm not too upset. He's a former gold glover. makes sense. Um, Trevor Rosenthal, what looked like was only going to be out for a week, could miss potentially three to four months if they have to have surgery. Um, they had an MRI today. They did not get the results back, so we will hear back from that tomorrow. Um, and Those are the injuries. Oh, there's Sean, Mur- Sean Murphy's back now. But yeah, he was yeah, out right. the whole Houston series. So that left Aramis Garcia, who's had his limited experience with this rotation, yeah. to catch these guys who got completely lit up that whole weekend. Yeah. Um, I mean, him and I, I noticed it specifically when Manaya, when uh, Lazardo started. Friday night. Um, they yeah. did they they did not look like they were on the same page at all whatsoever. Like it, it's almost like Aramis Garcia had no idea what his repertoire was. And yeah, it was weird. It was that was a weird <sighs> one. And in at least Austin Allen knows these guys. That's kind of why you know as as much as Alex talked up Aramis Garcia when she came on the pod, I feel more comfortable with Austin Allen with the pitchers. I just, I'm not going to point at that being the reason, but I'm just saying that is something that just came to mind. I, I'm going to attempt to bring up, look, just tonight alone, they left 10 runners on base. They left 16 the night before. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> uh, like, what, like, what, like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I don't even know where to pinpoint where the exact problem is because everything's a problem. Like, Bowmel can't even, like, he's like, I, even he looks lost. He's, that's the one thing that's been so consistent with him kind of steering the ship over the last, really, 10 years now, because he, he came in halfway through 2011, is he's just been cool, he's been calm, he's collected. You can, like, visibly see him in post-game conferences, like, frustrated. Like, and that's, the, mm-hmm. I've never seen that from him before. So, I, like, the talent's there, the, de- like, I think the one thing that um, Alex Coffey's piece that she wrote today, just kind of questioning John Fisher and his tactics over the last forever, has been like um, what makes a team like the Dodgers so good, and what makes the Astros and all that. It's like they're they have depth and they're dependent. So like Zach McKinstry, you know, out of nowhere, uh, he's pretty much going to be the new. The new Kike Hernandez since he left for Boston. He went three for five last night in the nine hole. Uh, Tony Kemp's been in the nine hole, and I, I, what, 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 like, what's, what's he gonna do? Like, I, I look, I, we love Tony. I love Tony Kemp. I know we're big fans of him. Uh, person, like personality. I think he's great for the clubhouse and for um, just the organization as a whole. But it's like. Just because you're serviceable, that doesn't mean you should be in there almost every day, man. And that just shows you how yeah. depleted this roster actually is at the end of the day. When it comes to if shit like goes like happens like it has this first week, you can't depend on those guys. You know what? We're I'm gonna say point- you know what? I'm just gonna say Tony Kemp, Brad Wanamaker. 
I like Tony Kemp with for everything that he does in the clubhouse. So I hope that that's not the case. But yeah, he's starting to feel like a Brad Wanamaker. But um, uh, a lot of young Warrior players really like hey, to, like Wanamaker was our vet. We learned a lot from him during that time, and yeah. th- that's why you have guys like him and Tony Kemp around. But it's like at the end of the day, I'm like, dude, they're not. When you're trying to compete and win a you know another ALS title, those aren't the guys that you need to be like your next in line dudes if things hit the fence. I think this will describe the best way that I feel about this team right now. And if they don't turn around soon, I'm gonna fucking throw something at my TV when I'm watching them. Um. So like for example, let's say. So they gave up four runs in the second, third. Three runs in the third today. Um, and then you go into the bottom of the third, and you're kind of like, oh, shit, all right. It's not doing so well. You have your, like, your hopes are kind of down. And then you go, you know, they go three and out. We go on the top of the fourth. And I don't know if, I can't remember specifically if this happened or not, but this is just an example. Let's say Chris Bassett goes three and out with those guys say he strikes out a guy and then like two ground outs and you're like kind of going in the bottom and forth like okay cool like we got some momentum let's go let's do this let's make this happen um and normally with the, with these ace teams i would feel encouraged and then you and then like you know it shows the the upcoming batting um order the one two and three hitter and like you see chapman murphy and piscotti and you're like okay great like we got some real hitters we're gonna come back and we're gonna we're gonna like make some noise and maybe we can get like one or two runs on the board at but right now i'm seeing we got chapman murphy and piscotti coming up and i'm like oh fuck it's gonna be another three and out like this is gonna be brutal like the only time i feel encouraged is when i see loriano or 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 lowry coming up in the batting order Canna, everyone else honestly, is like Canna's oh my god some more too. and canna and canna too i'd be like oh my god some more fucking strikeouts this is gonna be a mess like you know it's just ah, oh, it's just so I don't. Yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. And that's just the hitting. We haven't talked about the pitching right now, where uh, Chris Bassett arguably had the best start of the season so far, and he still gave up what four? Gave up four runs, runs, nine hits. Yeah, nine hits and two home runs today. Um. Go ahead. The thing is, previous ace teams. This was last season. Uh, they could get away with squeaking by and make a competitive game. It's just like, yeah, you know, it, yeah, he, he four runs. Okay, and then let's. I don't want this to sound like a depressing podcast, but it is, man. We're zero six. Like this is not how we expected the season to start. Really, regardless of whether we had Marcus and Liam and Crush or not, you know, we made moves that we thought we liked. Um, Frankie yeah, and you Montas know the worst part about seven it seven net runs, man. Yeah. The worst part about it was was Bassett came off what was a pretty good start. He only gave up one run, and you know we were making the argument uh, that night later on that like if he stays in, maybe maybe they don't lose the game. Uh, maybe he should have gone a little bit longer, and not been on a chip pitch limit because he was still looking pretty good even when they took him out. And then they take they bring in Petit, and he gives up four runs. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. Frankie Montas a- Monday pit, gave up seven earned runs. Yeah. Um, it was hard to watch. Like it, it, it's Sean Manaya. Someone, someone who's Sean Manaya actually best... didn't pitch terribly. Uh, oh, he gave up five hundred runs. Okay, yeah. It, 
the, with Montas too, someone who everybody says has the best stuff on the team too. That's We've been hearing that for that. three years, almost. Arguably yeah, three years. Seen, his splitter, his fastball. Yeah, we were, dude. I was so high on him at the beginning of last season because I drank that Montas Kool Aid. Where oh, his fastball is taken up to a hundred. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing. He's just inconsistent, man. And it's just like everything that we've been so stressed about over the last three years is like crashing right now. Like the things that we're like, this is going to be a problem if you guys are real. Like, yes, the pitchers are good, but they're inconsistent. They're like, yes, the hitters are good, but like they can't hit in pressure. And it's well, except for Bassett, but he hasn't been this year. Crashing in right now. It's just. Yeah. And it's just the worst because it's like. They had a pretty, like, honestly, they had a pretty good spring. Obviously, you can't judge spring by any measure. And, yes, they've they've had a super tough schedule. Like, we can't ignore as much shit as we want to talk about Houston and them cheating and just all the booing they got. They're still a really good offensive team. The but Dodgers dude, are World Series champions. I- that's true, but at the same time, like if we're supposed to be this good, we should be competing, not getting fucking blown out six games in a row. Like that, I, I don't want to hear that excuse. That excuse is fucking stupid. Like, no offense, Cameron, uh, my buddy Cameron said on our Ace chat that, but like that's to me that's that's bullshit because if we're supposed to be one of these contending teams, and we should also be putting runs on the board, and it should be a slugfest. This this shit and drives me crazy. No, no, absolutely, and that's why I wanted to bring up this point. Uh, the Angels have played the White Sox, who are going to be contending for the American League pennant. Uh, you pick them as your World Series team for the representing the American League, and yeah. they're two games in on a series against the same Astros that just swept us and scored eight runs, at least eight runs every game. The Angels are four and two. The Angels at four yeah. and two in that rotation that we've mm. we've talked so much shit on over the last couple of years for. All of the shit we talked about that offense, how inconsistent they are, they're still playing better against these good teams. So it's like, what fucking gives? Yeah. What gives at this same team who's been at playoffs for three years in a row that has been pretty like consistent pitching, consistent bullpen? Like they're most arguably one of the most consistent teams in baseball in terms of just like, yeah, they're not the greatest team, but they're you know what they're going to get out of them. What yeah. gives? Why can't they do it? And that it's just, and now we're at the point where. We're texting each other back and forth. We're saying, yo, there's some, some people who need to go. Mm. Six games in, we're saying that. Six games in. Like, um, this is some. But there's one person in particular. There's one person in particular that does need to go, and we will get into that um, after this break. So stick around, and we'll be right back. All right, uh, welcome back from that very heated session, but it's about to heat back up more. Um, so, um, let me just introduce a second first, Julio, then I have a question for you that I think is um, pretty interesting. Um, so, this week's uh, featured segment is going to be called Open Air Session. Uh, COVID's going on. Make sure you keep your windows open. Keep the air flowing. Um, you don't want that disease to... Um, Get on other people. I don't know. You want your air clean and you want it filtered. So uh, we're going to do an open air session because this team is 0-6 and we're losing our fucking minds. Um, so, Julio, um, you – so I cut you off before we we ended. Um, that's because I wanted to save what, what was going on for the segment. But you had a very interesting look in your in your face 
So uh, go ahead and say what you were going to say. I've never have felt this angry about the A's. Like, ever. Like, the Raiders, I feel that. I've stopped feeling mad about the Raiders. Like, years ago. Like, legitimately yeah. mad about the Raiders. Because it's just like, they're just incompetent. It's just so, so frustrating that, like, look, it's a tough schedule. Um, obviously, there's so much probably behind-the-scenes stuff we don't see with the players when it comes to COVID and all this regulation stuff. So it's probably super stressful, man. I, 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 I totally empathize with them, and, like, I get it. It's just so, like, it's so frustrating to see this team not even be competitive. There's mm-hmm. like no drive. There's no heart, and like and like the only dude, the most drive we saw was Sergio Romo, dude. So, so are you saying in terms of the gameplay or just overall the team as a whole, or just, just overall, man? Like something, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if just a lot of these players still feel kind of this frustration from the beginning of the year of you know them kind of lowballing Marcus and. And kind of these like cut cost moves have happened this last year where look, we can all always blame John Fisher. That's the easy way out, but we're now getting to the point where I think we, this organization front office really needs to examine like this is this it's, it's what's the definition of insanity. We talked about it last night. It was just like doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Exactly. And it's, it's starting to show the, the wheels or like the, the wheel of the train or whatever the hell trains have, or is it's the gears are, are starting to break down. We're starting to see the same thing that we've been frustrated about for three, four years now with more or less the same team. And it has to deal with some of the coaching. Yeah. I mean, I mean you can just say it. It's, it's with Darren Bush. It's like Darren these Bush, guys yeah. look lost at the plate when there's runnings and scoring position. They look completely like for the five steps behind. I don't know what he's doing with his study, with his analytics and his research and his film watching. Like, I don't know what, if he just doesn't prepare, I don't know what the story is, but this has been a constant problem since he's taken over uh, for Chili Davis as the hitting coach. The guys look unprepared. They don't know what they're doing. They just leave guys on. Even like back to 2014 when he took over, when Chili Davis got that massive deal with Boston to be their head, their hitting coach, he took over. I mean, there was a lot of problems that 2014 season, but you look back to it, the second half of the season, they were just leaving runners stranded all the fucking time. They had great pitching, and those those pitchers were dealing day in and day out, but they could not fucking bring runners home. Um, same thing with the playoffs the past two seasons, those two wildcard games. Like, they just get fucking shut out. Last year, they barely made it through that White Sox series um, because and- of the reliability of two guys, two veterans who kind of, like, fucking basically have gotten them through the past three years, but... It's ridiculous, man. Like Bob Melvin really needs to like look at this and be like, "Hey, man, like you know, this is a business. It's not. It's not a. It's not a, a friendship club. Like, it's, it's starting just, it's to ridiculous. feel very nepotistic because you've you already mentioned like he's been in the organization for six, seven years now. He there has been no other hitting coach besides him and post Chili Davis, and it, it it's just showing like you already mentioned like you know the wild card game in twenty nineteen. 
And that game was so traumatizing more so because it's like they they were in that game. That Yank excuse me, the Yankees game the year before, it really felt like they were never in it. And just, you know, they're rolling out there with Liam as the starter. It was just this whole thing. They, I don't think they really had any business to really try to contend. But um, in 19, they were in it, man. They, they easily could have taken advantage of the game. And they but lost they because... fucking runs. Yeah, they, they could. They just consistently, time and time again, left runners are in base. Uh, I really remember post-game, Bowmel is like, you know, this is something we really need to work on in this next offseason. Um, obviously, you know, COVID hit and the world kind of shut down. But then when baseball came back up in July of last year, it seemed like, yeah, the team was still, they started off great. You know, the rotation was really coming along. The bullpen was great. Um, but it was, hitting-wise, it was the same thing. Like, they still couldn't do it. Now, I look, I'm not a baseball professional. I, I played three years of Little League, and I played, like, six years of drunk stuff, like, slow-pitch softball. I don't know what the solution is to train, to coach new, like, players, like, Yo, situational hitting. You got a runner on second, two outs. You know, how do we get those runners in? This could be a much bigger thing than just Darren Bush. This could just be, you know, the money ball philosophy. Oh, don't ever bun, don't whatever. But like, it's insanity. It's the the breaking point in Sandy where it's like, this isn't working. What can mm-hmm. you do to help change this? And there's like, there's been no solution. That's kind of the story of the A's organization as a whole, pretty much since... Um, the Haas family sold the team is they keep expecting Billy Bean to work his magic um, with sabermetrics and find value where other people don't see other teams don't see value and they keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results but it's the same results same thing that I said when I decided not to pick them in the World Series for my team uh, they still can't make it past the American League Division Series. It's they, it, it just baffles my mind. Um, and it's just getting old and getting frustrating. And yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, this is this is probably this is close. I would say 2014 fire sales was the probably the most pissed off I've been with this team. But this is a uh, definitely because that team went from like you know a contender to nothing this at least the fire sale that happened it's not really fire sale the sale that happened this past off season we're still competitive and we still thought we thought we were maybe even better um but um yeah i mean yeah you know and I'm, i don't feel very good about any of my teams right now except for the warriors one tonight so i don't feel a little yeah thank yeah. god that dumpster fire yeah. one and all because Giannis wasn't playing you know, we'll we'll have to one day eventually do a spin-off Warriors podcast where we just do like a once a month thing and we just kind of vent whatever frustrations happening with us in that moment. Um but I think another thing we really got to talk about and it's time and time again and and I'm just getting kind of tired of defending him is with Bowmel. A lot of people are claiming like, "Yo, like I think this is it. Like this is it. You can just tell he just really is burned out." And the main argument I always put back at people is who else do you think who's one going to be willing to take this job seeing how ownership is seeing how I know we don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but we know there's definitely some guys frustrated like Matt Chapman, Mm -hmm. probably who's going to be willing to take that job 
and who can still make this team competitive. The only thing I can think of is some young gun like Eric Chavez or some shit like that who's in the organization. Or not Eric Chavez. He's with the Angels. Mark uh, Yeah, Mark Bobby Crosby. Someone who wants their first shot at managing is going to take the job on a whim because it's like, oh, it's a manager's job. If we're not going to get a, like a a good big name that no one's going to fucking want that job, no one wants to deal with this bullshit. No, the only they other want a pers- payroll and they they want a front office that's going to be behind them. The only like if uh, I'm trying to think of just like disgruntled managers who've just been like, yo, I want a second chance, but it's just like there's some people who are like in really comfy positions that I can't like. Let's say if like Ron, they're like, yo, Ron Washington, we want you, to, we want you back. You you deserve another shot of managing. Dude's a third base coach for one of the best teams in baseball in Atlanta. Like, yeah, he, and he's pretty much he helping it. groom Ronald Acuna. Like, <clears throat> do you really think he's going to leave that comfy position, man? Well, also him and Billy didn't didn't really like get along in a lot of the the at least like logistics back in the day. So I can't imagine he would want to take over for a team that's going to limit him in certain things like that. Like that's why he went to the Rangers as opposed to. Um, Waiting out, getting a manager job with us was because he wanted to go to a team that would support his managerial style. I don't know. I yeah, I I, I don't. I definitely. I mean, if if people are sitting out there to fire Bob Melvin, I think you're out of your fucking mind. But um, I could definitely see him leaving for sure. Um, I think I could definitely see him getting fed up. I, um, I, I just don't know. Like, there's no look. There's no better options right now it really doesn't i don't want him to leave either i want him to be the one to win the first world series he's put in he's put in his dues man he's he's made he's made a lot of teams something out of nothing and i respect that and i want him to be to go down as the greatest manager in the history of the oakland a's so i want him to be here but you know i understand if he is is over it you know chris really rough first rough first week I think we just need not only us, but the rest of A's fans to feel some joy. So I actually brought a, spe- a, f- a special guest here. hey cat sighting. Evie. Yeah, Evie came to jump in. Um, also, I have maybe next podcast, I actually bought like A's bandanas for the cats. <laughs> I was like, did. okay, maybe if I put them on today, I put it on. They, they don't like wearing their collars anymore because they're just yeah. jerks. Um, and I put it on Peach. I'm like, okay, maybe this will break it. It didn't work. So, Evie, it's your turn tomorrow. Nice. Next episode. All right, let's um, let's finish off this episode. I think people are tired of hearing us bitching. Um, all right. So this upcoming series, we have um, the Houston Astros are in town again from Thursday to Saturday. Fantastic. Um, oh, no Sunday game. That's weird. Um, oh, and then also we're finishing it off. But by the time this episode airs. This game will be in progress. But anyway. Yeah, so they're um, going to get their first win beating Trevor Bauer. Yeah, fucking right. Uh, finishing off with the Dodgers. And then um, next Monday and Tuesday, they're in Arizona to play the Diamondbacks. Um, we will have a new episode for you guys on one Thursday. We'll go back to our regular schedule Thursday. The only reason why we did it Wednesday this week is because I'm going to New York for work and I'm not. I'm traveling tomorrow, so I'm not able to record tomorrow. Just letting them know. What also, shout out to my dad and... Our brother, Andrew, they're going to be at that game on Tuesday. Or nice. they, at least they were going to be there. I don't know what the latest update is, but um, it's, yeah, great to see the fans. Uh, not really is much. It, we're, is we've it, seen Houston. Is it in Arizona? What, what are they doing in Arizona? What are you, Our brother lives in Arizona. 
Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Andrew. You met him. You've met him a bunch of times. Probably. Yeah, and then your dad's going to visit them or something. Yeah, they've been there for the last week. Welcome to the Renoso family uh, group chat. <laughs> I'm your host, Julio Renoso. I'm here to talk all things Renosos. Um, but yeah, the Houston series. We, God, it's their first game, their home opener. So I can imagine uh, Houston fans are going to be very pissed over this past week of how. Uh, not only Oakland, but Angels fans as well for throwing trash cans on the field are going to feel about it. So I have a feeling this next series is not going to be pretty either. Uh, but uh, Arizona might we'll be see. nice. Arizona might be decent. Cattell Marte has been freaking lights out to start the season, and that's pretty much the only thing we got to worry about. But uh, Depends on who we see their pitching-wise. If we see Mad Bum, that's going to suck, but yeah. We'll see. we'll see. I still like our. I don't know. Maybe we can turn around. Probably not, but maybe. Um. All right. So let's get our player of the week, Julio. You can go first if you if you have if you even have one. Uh, Eve, Evie. Wherever. Good job, Evie. Congrats. No, but, um. No. Really. Honestly. Uh. Mark Hanna has actually been pretty solid, and I know his. He's had the blunder. On, was that Saturday, Sunday, and the outfield. Um, but usually he's a pretty consistent glove for most of the part. But he's hitting two. So that was a weird season. fly ball, dude. That was a weird one. Yeah. And he took like kind of a weird route. But um, but yeah, that was a weird one. Yes. But um, he's hitting two sixty one this season. He's hit, he's on his OBP is on is three forty six. So the leadoff experiment is kind of working, or at least like him at the top of the lineup is working a little bit in terms of just him getting on base. The problem is the people after him can't really do anything with it because you know we suck with hitting on runners in scoring position and he's also leading the team in home runs with a whopping one home run um so i want to give a shout out to him i think he's he's been really under the radar he's tied with pinder tied with yeah. pinder yeah he's mid more or less the under the radar a for the last five years and i'm glad that he's going to be getting some spotlight before he becomes a free agent yeah um three 340 40 something you said it was OPP. Oh, that needs to go up for sure. Uh, you were muted there. I didn't hear you. Oh, I said, I think that's still <laughs> good enough. At least for the, what the this team yeah. is doing it now. Hopefully that'll go up. I think um, hopefully my, as, as the bats come alive again, it'll go up a little bit, but yeah. Who yeah, you got? Yeah, I, yeah. Are you, you can't say yourself. Nope. I am. The player of the week is me. Cause I, fucking got iron chest baby and i took a fly ball right off the chest like a champ um and i'm world famous that's the second time i've been on national tv this year the first time was when i was creepily uh looking over at giselle while she was taking a picture with uh tom brady's parents on the nfl network (laughs) i didn't know what they were doing i was very confused i was in their box and i was watching the game with them and it was just weird and this time on espn so suck it julio you haven't been on national tv at all um I've been on one. Oh, yeah. I will say I have been on one of many Angels post games in front of Angel Stadium because my drunk ass would always interrupt their broadcast chanting, "Let's go Oakland." Uh, that's still pretty. That's pretty cool, but it's not national no, TV. It's, it's not, regional, you're, you're so suck it. Um, all right, let's go on to our essential tailgate tool of the week, and then we will call it a day. Um, who is yours, Evie? Who do you got? Oh, she's telling me. Mm-hmm. Matt Chapman. Okay. Uh, she actually likes Mitch Moreland. Uh, Mitch Moreland's going to have a pretty big uh, shoes to fill this week, especially if Matt Olson is going to 
take some extended days off. Um, he, his power is obviously not there. He's not really been the offensive player we wanted to be as a full-time DH. But I'll tell you, he, as someone who took a ball off one of his balls off the chest, he, his power is there. It's just not <laughs> there where you, on the right parts of the field. Um, but I think it's going to be exciting to kind of see him hit on the road. Uh, his histor- you know, most of his career has spent in hitter-friendly stadiums in Texas, in Boston. Um, so it's going to be really cool to kind of see what he can do potentially on the road. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being a better road hitter than he is a home hitter, even though historically he, he's really hit the crap out of the ball in Oakland. So over this next week, I think I'm hoping he's going to be the guy to kind of help pick up not just the hitting, but like the power of this offense that where it could be, especially playing, reiterating it in Houston in an Arizona where hitter stadium. So Mitch Moreland, you are my essential tool of the week, my guy. Yeah, he's got to get used to the Marine layer. So like one thing that me and Mason were pointing out at opening day was like all the balls kept on specifically the A's balls kept on dying in the outfield, but there was no Marine layer that night because it was warm. So I think, dude, I, we didn't really talk too much about it. We glanced over a little bit. The ball change. There's so, there's yeah. been a handful of balls that have been hitting the outfield where, like, I'm standing up off the couch. I'm like, that's gone. And yeah. it's just dying. And normally we're like, okay, it's, it's you know, it's night games. The ball usually doesn't carry as much. But even during, like, the game on Sunday, I think, it was, like, dying out during the day. Yeah. So, who knows? Um, my essential tailgate tool of the week and probably of the next three months is going to be Jake Diekman because now he is more important than ever with Trevor Rosenthal potentially out for half the season, which fucking sucks. But Diekman was great last year. He was bad in his one, his one appearance on Friday, but he was great last year. Hopefully he can pick it up and hopefully the A's will be in some win and fucking save situations and he can show off his stuff. But um, he's also important to my fantasy team because I had Trevor Rosenthal, and I picked up Jake Deacon to replace him, so I need him to do that. Um, Yeah. Any thoughts on that? No? Cool. Um, No, yeah. Well, yeah, he's just got to get in the game, man. He's pitched, what, one one game? And I love when, like, Sergio gets in the game. I like him at that setup role. Like, dude, we need more of, like, his style. When he came off, when he shut out his – or I think he had two guys – he got one guy on, and then he shut out – he struck out his guys and shut out the rest of his inning. He's walking off the mound. He's like, let's fucking go, boys. Wake the fuck up. Um, We need more guys like that. So maybe Sergio Romo and Jake Diekman. Um, All right, that's going to do it for this week's Town Tailgate. We'll be back again. We are going back to the normal schedule of um, Thursday morning released pods. Again, this week it was different because I'm my work. Um, don't forget to um, subscribe if you haven't yet. Um, rate and give us a review, please, because we do this for free and we want to do it for money soon. Um, and that'll happen if you guys rate the shit out of this and give us a review. Um, we really appreciate that. Also want to get a one more quick shout out to our good friend who's just on the pod last week, John Fersh of the Super Halo Bros. He was at the Angels game. First off, uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about the Angels um, from a fan perspective, definitely give them a follow on uh, their uh, wherever you get your podcast as well as on t- Twitter and Instagram. But uh, he was at the Angels Astros game last night, Monday night. He lost his voice from how hard he was, he was yelling playing. that. So man. on so behalf great. of uh, rest of major league baseball except for houston thank you for your vocal <laughs> contribution 
And uh, shout out to the Schlatter Bros. Hopefully we can go to a Yankee game on Friday when I'm in New York. Hey. That is maybe in the works. All right. That's going to do it. Thanks for again for listening. See you next week. Last but not least, Julio. Let's go, Oakland, or I'm going to just end it all. That was the most somber let's go, Oakland, in this pod ever, but it was well-deserving. Come on, guys. Let's figure it out. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal. And my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.